Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and this week we have something a little different, with an episode centred around last weekend's Goodwood Festival of Speed. Later I'll share some of my favourite moments and we'll have a chat on the Alfa Romeo stand with Club Finance Director John Timms and Director and Thames Valley Section Secretary Kirsty Hodson, which was recorded at the end of the penultimate day of the event on Saturday. We were battling a gusty wind and some very noisy cars running up the hill behind us, so the audio quality isn't quite as good as our normal studio chats. We start on Friday though, where we had a chance to sit down with the head of Alfa Romeo UK, club member and friend of the podcast, Damien Daly. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, how are you? Good. So we're here at Goodwood. Uh, I know you've spent a few of the last 10 years or so in, in Italy, but how often have you been to, to Goodwood before? When was the first time you came? God, oh, that's a good question. So basically, uh, I think the first event was in 1993, and I think the first year I came was 1999. And I reckon since 1999, I've probably missed less than, I think I missed three. Alfa Romeo, to be fair, as I understand it, and I only joined the brand in 2002. As my understanding is, we only missed we only missed two, and one of those was a global pandemic. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, Goodwood for for Alfa is, you know, if there was an ancestral home in the UK, then I think it would be here. I think I think we we celebrate it's an opportunity for us to meet all our owners and and future owners, and we've celebrated our centenary here. And back in 2010, there were I think it was four or five global centenary events and, and, and Goodwood was one of those. So I should say happy anniversary as well, shouldn't I? It's, yes, yes. Thank you very much. It's actually the anniversary today. So, so it's, it's Alfa Romeo's birthday today, 112 years. So yeah, so it feels really good. And, and you know, if I was celebrating anywhere, it would be here. So it's good. And, I mean, Goodwood's, we had a couple of odd years, the Speed Week two years ago, and then last year was slightly unusual, but, but it's every day sold out again. What is it, do you think, that makes Goodwood so special? I think it's, I think the people here, the, you know, it's, they're, they're really passionate about cars. I mean, it's got this real festival vibe, you know, it's, 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 it's lovely. Everyone's walking around and it's just, uh, it's just warm and people are friendly and, 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 and even on the setup, it's the, 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 the spirit of it is everyone's helping each other, you know, just because they actually work for different manufacturers, it doesn't matter, but it's sort of all sort of in it together and it's, it's just got a real nice f- festival vibe and I think, I think it's unique and I think it's, it's good. I mean, it's widening because it's getting more of a lifestyle thing as well. You see families here, you see all different audiences here, and, and I think, I, I think we, and, and, and I've, as you say, I spent a bit of time in Europe, and I think you shouldn't take this for granted. I think it's, I think, arguably, I've never been to Pebble Beach, but, but people who have, have have put it up and up there as well. You know, it is quite possibly the, the most unique car event in, in, in the world. And we've got it on our, not our doorsteps because it's on the South Coast. A lot of people have a lot of traveling and I spent more than my fair time on that A27, I can tell you. So, uh, but no, it's, 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 it's a very special place to be. And thank goodness it's not raining right now. I think it must be a, a significant investment for, for the brand. What, what kind of return are you looking for on the investment when you come here? Oh, okay. So, so, so I feel like I'm in the uh, boardroom now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so look, let's remember, Guy, Afma is an emotional brand as well. So, I mean, not everything can be measured on a spreadsheet. I mean, for us this year, we're unveiling Tonali, which is really, really important. So a big thing about Tonali is widening the Afro Mare story to, to, to an audience, which, and I, and I said it earlier, is, is, is I think there are people waking up this morning not knowing their next car is necessarily going to be an Afro Mare, and that's an opportunity for us. So I think it's important. I think I, I think this really is, we're unveiling the car here today. I think it's a really pivotal thing. As you know, we're, we're also bringing the Tonali to your event in August, and that's really, really important to us as well. So 
attracting a new audience to the brand to, to ensure that we continue and we sustain the business and in, in more volume segments like the Tenali will compete in the largest segment in the UK, but also very much it's a great opportunity for us to catch up just as I was then and kept you waiting for five minutes with a, with, with an hour from our owner that I've known for 15 odd years. So I was going to say, you've been talking to customers all morning. What's what's the reaction been to Tenale so far? Not just here, but since the, the announcement. It's really, really strong. So so obviously, obviously it was only unveiled yesterday, but the feedback's really good. We gave our dealers an insight into the physical car in, 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 in February. And I really wanted to do that because everything's moved to virtual and teams and the rest of it. And that, you know, the engineering, the elegant design on a photograph or even, even videography doesn't quite do the car justice. So, so we literally pulled off the covers yesterday. We had the dealers down against uh, uh, yesterday. They're important in this. There are linked to our customers. And the feedback so far is really, really strong. We've got a keep me in touch database, as we call it, which, which is over 3,000 strong and growing. Uh, we're now planning uh, some preview events at our retailers starting on the 10th of July. Obviously, we're bringing it to your event on the uh, um, 7th of 7th of August. So no, so it, it, it's, it's, it's a good time for the brand. It's, good. it's a very exciting moment. And Jean-Philippe Imperato said he's not obsessed with volume targets. What, what does success look like for the Tenale in, and I know that probably doesn't necessarily translate uh, into, into your metrics. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have that? Did he, did he record it when he said that? No, no, I mean, he's, he's right. I mean, I mean, Alfa Romeo is not about volume. It's about, it's about a lot of other things. So, I mean, in, in truth, Tenale is competing in the largest segment in the UK. It's the C-segment SUV. The easy way to think about it is one in four cars registered in the UK competes in that segment. So it's really going to give us a, a volume opportunity. And let's be careful of the use of volume because, you know, for Alfa Romeo, relative volume that we've not had since the Giulietta, really. So, and it's important because at the end of the day, we need to widen the uh, portfolio models which we compete in. And then with the investment which we make, or let me say, the stability that that gives us is for us to then create some really, really interesting, funky Alfa Romeo's, which I can't really tell you about. Which, but as you know, this is a brand which can can, can make some crazy cars. We are a brand which can sell cars of one hundred fifty thousand pound plus, and I think there's a lot of stuff, exciting stuff, which is going to come out in the next in the next few years. And there's um, there's quite a few interesting classic alphas around this weekend. Anything you've seen that particularly <laughs> excited you? Well, to be honest with you, I, I, I had the dealers here yesterday. I've got some interviews set up today, and then I've got a bit of time to wander around. But we have got some, as you, as you say, some really great owners have um, brought their cars here. We've got the 12C, which is uh, one in the world, which you may have seen on the front cover of Octane magazine a couple of months ago. So I'm heading up to see that very shortly, which is, which is fabulous. So, um, no, I mean, I'm, I, this is the thing with this event. I mean, it's basically I get to have a bit of a wander around later. So um, I'm looking forward to that because for me, this is this is fun as well. I mean, it's a job. It's, it's you know, I'm here on business, but I love it. So I get a look around, but I'm particularly interested in that car. I read the article and I was, I'm really, really excited about seeing the car. Brilliant. I'm going to have a look at that myself later on. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Good to see you. Thanks to Damien for taking the time out of his incredibly busy schedule to talk to us. I was lucky enough to spend three days at the festival this year, with a damp start to the Thursday session, which saw my first glance of the Tenale in motion. I was very impressed with how flat it looked through the corners, particularly when I then had the opportunity to go up the hill as a passenger in a Giulia Veloce. The Veloce too was very well composed of course, but it did give me a much better feel for the dynamics of the course. Away from the Tenale, which we'll talk about some more in our last segment, there wasn't a huge alpha presence this year. 
couple of Stelvios and the Julia I've already mentioned were regulars on the hill. But beyond that, there were just a handful of pre-war cars, the very pretty Tipo 33 Periscopo and a Tipo 182 Formula One car, plus a very nice yellow GTAM, which sadly was a static display only. On the pre-war side, there were a couple of cars that will be familiar to Goodwood regulars, both at the Festival of Speed and at the Revival. A brace of 8C2300 Monzas, one a very pretty blue car driven by Gareth Graham, the other by Michael Gantz. There was the P3 Tipo B driven by Ben Collings, Julian Mazjab's 308C, but the undoubted highlight of the pre-war cars was the 12C Prototipo, driven by Derek Bell. This is a car that disappeared for decades and then was rediscovered and restored in time to celebrate Alpha's 110th anniversary. It's a fascinating story and an interesting restoration with the aluminium bodywork exhibiting rather extreme patina. It looked and sounded gorgeous. Later, I talk about the 12C appearing in Octane sometime last year. It was actually the June issue of this year. That's old age for you. The first of the post-war racers, that Tipo 33, also looked and sounded magnificent. But the highlight for me was the ex-Andrea de Cesare's Tipo 182. There was a Mario Andretti liveried car here last year, but that remained stubbornly in the paddock. This year, the fans retreated to the sight and sound of the 3-litre Auto Delta V12. There was plenty elsewhere for Italian car fans, with dozens of Ferraris to celebrate the Maranello Mark 75th anniversary, and a slew of rallying Lancias, and an LC2 Group C sports car. By late Saturday afternoon, I was exhausted, so it was nice to sit down in the Alpha Hospitality Unit for another chat. Okay, so I have with me John Timms, our finance director, and Kirsty Hodson, who is, I think, no longer the GT registrar? I'm still the GT registrar. Still the GT registrar. Alpha female supremo and motorsport co-coordinator on the board. So it's uh, the first proper day of Goodwood, because Friday's a kind of a practice day and Thursday's the, the manufacturer's day. Not a huge amount of Alpha content here but there's a few things here what, what have you seen that was interesting Kirsty? Tipo 33 it's beautiful absolutely beautiful and I got to meet the driver and it was uh, GTAM as well very yellow yes unfortunately the GTAM has not been up the hill but the, the Tipo 33 has it's, sounds almost as good as it looks fantastic and of course we're on the Alfa Romeo stand and we'll been looking at the Tonale and there's Julia here and a Stelvio here as well. So what do you think of it? It's your first time seeing the Tonale in the flesh, isn't it? What did you it think is of absolutely it? It is absolutely the first time and it is it's just, really just to nice. prove that we're a good wood, we've now got an F1 car <laughs> going up the hill behind us. It does look really good in those colours actually. There's a green one and there's a blue one and it, it does really suit the car. Yeah, I think the green's a two thousand three hundred pound option. Wow. I think it's probably worth it though. It does it look is, great. It, it does look stunning. The green looks absolutely stunning. I was saying to the guys on the stand, I've got a green 156, which I've had for 24 years, as you know. I can see that green on something in my driveway. would yeah. be great. But it's a pricey option, though. It is, yeah. Uh, I, and, and I did ask. The Estremas are not available in green. Right. Which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. And in the Tonale pricing is now announced. Is that about where you're expected? I haven't heard the pricing. They didn't tell me. So do, okay. do, do let, let on, guys. <laughs> I can't remember. It's about... Mid-30s? Yeah, I think it's a little bit more than that. The Speciale, I think, is about 35. Right. And the TI is closer to 40, I think. That'll teach me in future to take notes and not try to remember multiple five-digit numbers I'd only glanced at on the display cards. The Speciale starts at 38,595, with the TI coming in at 39,995, and the Veloce, with the active suspension at 42,495. Thanks to Saber Ali for confirming the prices for the TI and Veloce. 
I couldn't find that anywhere. And the launch edition is... Which is the Speciale. Okay. Well, that's, that's quite a good value of proposition, isn't it? Yeah, as long as I've got for, that right. For what? For a hybrid, these are yeah. not an unreasonable price? I, I don't know. I think it's about where the the comparable BMW and, and Audi yeah. are. I was expecting anything from 35 to 40, if, mainly because the Julia is 45 now, and it's it's got a slot in below that, I think. Yeah. To, to get people in and it's about the right price against what I believe the competition is yeah so I mean I've had a good look at them two or three times now been back twice today and I saw it up in Coventry when they did the unveiling review of that and I have to say the colours they need these standout colours yeah uh, it really helps the car it was interesting because the grey that they had in Coventry I'd seen pictures of, of blue ones and I, some of the, the curves and things weren't quite as obvious in the photos of the blue one as they were when we saw the grey one. But it, it wasn't a colour I would have chosen. I did have a sit in it as well. Yep. And um, yeah, it's obviously quite a high seating position because it's an SUV, which is not what I'm used to. But it does feel like a very cosy place to be. Everything feels like it's in the right place where you'd expect it to be. So nothing, nothing came as a surprise. It quite, felt quite natural yep. place to sit. And it's been interesting watching it go up the hill as well. So I think the the first day, Thursday, friend of, of Arok, in fact, Arok member, Chris Reese from Auto Italia, took it up on the first day. And it was interesting seeing him go up there in his, his racing driver's helmet as, as the, the professional. But he was a bit bit upstaged today because it was taken up by Joe Guanyu, the, um, the Aframeo Formula One driver, um, who we hoped to talk to today. We did see him twice. Briefly. Briefly. <laughs> as, he, as he came in and, and left the hospitality area. But he was, was waylaid by uh, the Duke of British these days. He was, yes. I know that. Yes. Lord March, who isn't Lord March anymore, but yeah, who, who's just, just left the hospitality area. Yeah. He looks suitably Formula One driver sized, is all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Haven't seen him. Yeah. Quite small. It's a bit of a shame. I mean, some of the. the Contemporary drivers who come here get to drive some of the historic kit, and there is a there's a one eight two one eight two yeah um, with De Cesaris's name on it, and it's in one piece. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling that might be the car that De Cesaris came third in Monaco in. Yeah, I think uh, it is. Which yeah, there were reasons why he came third in Monaco. He, he was and he leading, did, and he didn't. He, he ran out of fuel. Yeah. In the race where they all run out of fuel, nearly. Yeah. We know these things, Kirsty. It would have been nice to see Joe go up in that. I think. Oh, yeah. But, uh, it makes one a mighty racket as well, that yeah. car. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's amongst the best-sounding Formula 1 engines ever. So there'll be some pictures of that. Obviously, we won't have the noise, but there'll be some pictures of that in the, um, in the August issue. I was quite taken by the Depot 33 Periscopo. The driver is... Kajani, I think, Kajani. But as soon as he saw Kirsty and I in regalia, he dragged us over for pictures with him on his phone and ours. So that was that was quite nice. It was lovely. And not a word of English. No, I, I spoke to, there was, when the Periscopa was going up the hill yesterday, the GT, yellow GTAM that was next to it was sat there on its own with a, an old guy sitting there guarding it. And I went and asked him whether it was going to be going up the hill at any point in the weekend. And he sort of looked at me as if to say, I have no idea what you said. And then just shook his finger, which I took it as, no, it's not. Yeah. So I did ask him what, what his name was, the driver. And then I had to remember in Italian. <laughs> and I've already forgotten. The other car that I think a lot of people will have seen, it was on the cover of Octane last year, I think. Oh, yeah. Was the, the 12C Prototipo, which I think you both missed. We did. Which Derek Bell has been driving, which is 
yeah, Derek's somebody who's associated with Porsche and Ferrari before that, but of course he was an Alpha driver in the... Drove one Alpha, I seem to remember. I went to a talk that the Ferrari Owners Club organised with him and he saw that there were quite a few Alfista in the crowd and he said, I did drive one Alpha, but unfortunately it's not in the book <laughs> that he was giving away a signed copy of. Right. But yes, he has had, I can't remember what it was he drove. No, I know when I was doing the archive a couple of months ago, there was a, there was a picture of a, one of the front covers had a picture of Derek Bell in an Alfa Romeo t-shirt standing beside something. Interesting. My memories of this venue here is meeting him in the paddock on a Friday or a Thursday. Much, much nicer days because you get to meet these people a lot easier. There's too many people today, really. And I was just talking to him. And having a chat about something, he saw the Alpha stuff, and he was—I think—he was about to tell me something about that. And this old chap bumped into us, and he was Phil Hill, Formula One World Champion, 1961. Yeah. And then and Derek Bell and Phil Hill started talking. I had to go away. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> it was rather nice to to meet them. Lovely old guy, though. Phil Hill was. So, Kirsty, is it your first time here? Or? It's my first first world speed. And what do you think of it so far? It's excellent. I've had a lovely time. Yeah. Walked miles, but it's seen so yeah, many beautiful things. Down. It's excellent. Yeah, there's there's been some gorgeous Lanciers and Fiat is a real Stratos. Dino, a dream car. So it's some beautiful tin. And of course the um the Lancia Group C car that's here, the L C two, became an Alfa Romeo but never raced. Alpha, Alpha built a Group C car based on the LC2 chassis. Oh, right, okay. Um, but it, um, it's, it's at the museum in the basement collection, but it never, never raced. Then there's the Maserati MC20. The, the definitely never was an Alfa Romeo it's Maserati definitely MC20. definitely not yes. an HC with two cylinders chopped off. <laughs> definitely not. I have to say, on a non-Alpha basis, the MC20 is a gorgeous car. It is it lovely. It is, it's Absolutely beautiful. Gorgeous. I have to say and it's the beautiful. One in, Sky blue. Yeah, the spider. spider. The cello, we call it, didn't they? Cello. Stunning car. Yeah, that was a standard that car. That should have been 60. The, the other car that I'm working on, my wife's car buying preference starts with it has to be yellow, um, which at the moment is a, a Fiat 500 pop. But there is a Maserati Gracale in yellow here. Oh, no. Which, it's not the prettiest car in the world, but it is a Stelvio underneath, so it's a pretty decent bit of kit. So I'm trying to persuade her that what she really wants is, is that as her next yellow car. Isn't there a Lamborghini something or other in you know, the four-wheel drive thingy in yellow? Uris. If, if I wanted a tractor, I'd buy a John Deere, not a Lamborghini. So I've, I've sat in all three cars on the stand, and the Goldilocks one, definitely the Julia. I sat in that and I just grinned. It's just perfect. In the Stelvio, I had a bit of difficulty reaching all of the dash because I'm too small. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was perfect. Yeah, having a conversation with, with Damien Daly, who we interviewed elsewhere on the podcast earlier. And I think if I was going to buy an Estrema or any of the 280 horsepower two litre ones, I'd have a Julia. But if I was going to go with a Quattrofolio, I'd probably have a Stelvio just because it, it has an ability to get you out of trouble that I think I would find quite useful with 510 horsepower. It's supposed to be a lot more stable. No, no the Veloci Julia has every extra pretty well, standard. It's actually quite a reasonable proposition. Yeah. Price-wise. The Estrema isn't that much more expensive, it seems. I don't know why else you get apart from the Q2 
I mean, slip. So we were talking about this earlier. I'm, I think I'm right in saying that the Astroma is a global special edition. The Veloce Ti was effectively a UK special edition. And the Astroma is the same spec as the Veloce Ti. The only difference being the, the rear boot spoiler, oh, right. um, which the, the Astroma doesn't have, but the Veloce Ti did. And, and badging, obviously. But the Veloce, the standard Veloce now has a synaptic suspension and the Q2 diff anyway, I think. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. So that is just... A- I think I'm with you that I'd want a four-wheel drive with a quadrifolio. I think that that's what you meant, wasn't it? It definitely was, yeah. Yeah. And also, I'm waiting for the, the plug-in hybrid scenario before I... Yeah, I think a lot... Total judgment I think on a it. lot of people are. I mean. Reserve judgment for now. Having been used to about 275 horsepower for the last... 10 years. Well, the first Tenales will be able to do about three miles on their battery, but then the next one coming out should be able to do about 50, which is actually useful. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, even leaving aside the fact that it's a plug-in, the, the range on the PHEV one would do me most weeks. Well, just a couple of trips into town and... Can you edit that out? I'm quite impressed with the Tonali. I mean, one of the things we keep saying, it's not a big car. Yeah. It does, and come here, when it's up against, uh, well, alongside the Giulia and the Stelvio, it is clearly a smaller car. Yeah. However, I'm fairly confident it's bigger than the Giulia. Yes, well, we were talking about this earlier. So we should have a, a left-hand drive Tonale in the next week or so to play with. Um, and the first thing I'm going to do is line it up with my Giulietta and, and take a side-by-side picture. And probably a, a tail-to-tail picture and a nose-to-nose picture. just to... Yeah, so it's wider. It's taller yeah. for definite, of course. It's definitely wider. And I think it's a little bit longer, but I, it's, I, I don't think it's as much wider and longer as people think it is from, from looking at it. Well, it's shorter than my 159 yeah. when I looked up the numbers. And I think the width is ever so slightly wider than the 159. So it's narrower than a Julia. Yes. Yeah. And there'll be one at NAD, National Alpha Day. There'll definitely be one at NAD, um, as Damien said on the or will say on the podcast depending on which order I edit them together uh, Damien said he, he may also come in his spider which he hasn't driven for about a year now I'm on six spider incidentally Derek Bell drove the all-conquering 1975 Tipo 33 TT12 as featured in last week's Arock Racing League's virtual two hours of Daytona winning at Spa the Österreichring and at Watkins Glen with fellow legend Henri Pescarolo well that's it for this episode we'll be back in two weeks time on Sunday the 17th of July Episode 61 will be available for download from 1.30pm from Google Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Until then, stay safe. (laughs) 